Morgan, thank you so much for joining me this morning. It's uh, lovely to see you here and I look forward to our uh, recording today. It's uh, for anyone that will be watching this on YouTube, we'll do it with video and uh, anyone that will listen to podcasts as audio only, it'll be just as much fun. Although we are more entertaining vis with the visual effect as well. <laughs> thank you for having me, Gary. It's uh, great to see you again. Well, and I've gotten a chance to know you over many years, Morgan, but some of the questions that I will ask you today are a bit trivial uh, and about the audience to get to know you better. So I'll start with something a bit more generic um, and then we'll get to some more fun stuff later on. Uh, so tell us a bit about Morgan. Who is uh, Morgan McClaw? It's a big question. Um, so I am a mother of two teenage boys, uh, 16 and almost 14. I uh, grew up in Canada, so born and raised in Canada, born in Ottawa, grew up in Oakville, uh, actually went off to Western University and, and took something completely impractical like film and sociology for my degree, for my undergrad. Um, and got into marketing uh, a little bit later, well, after school, and, and from there have been nonstop in there, just passionate about it. Um, and I run a business with my husband, so co-owners of Cubicle Feature. Well, and I may ask you more about that because there's uh, people that always uh, think about don't go into business with their spouse. Well, that's like... I know. Um... <laughs> Um, Morgan, who had the biggest impact on your life growing up? I think probably, um, like many people, I would say my, my parents in many ways, they are both extremely hardworking individuals. And I think one of the things, my dad has his own company. He went out on his own probably when I was in my teenage years and he started his own, he's an economist by trade. Uh, created his own uh, economic research and market forecasting company. And that, I think, had a big impact on me as I was growing up. Although I always had a love of other things, I always kind of intimately knew that I would want to have my own business someday. I joined Junior Achievement in high school and all that sort of stuff. So it was always just sort of paramount for me that eventually I think I'd want to start my own business. So I think that was a big impact when he did it. He was home a lot more. We got to see him. And he was just happier I think too of, of you know having his own business that he could do for himself so I would say that was a big impact for me and I can appreciate that uh, now this is why we do this podcast we still learn new things about one another I didn't know about your involvement junior achievements um, oh were you did well I, I was on the board of junior achievement Canada for six years and now I'm on junior achievement Americas for the last four years so Oh, good for you. Yeah, it's a fantastic organization. Like it really does sort of, I think, inspire entrepreneurial talents and kids and, and help them think about, you know, what could you do or what could, could you create? And then, you know, actually getting you to, to put that business in places, which is pretty cool. Well, and case in point, uh, you are an example of having experienced that in, in school and then now living it in, uh, in real life. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, so... Morgan, growing up, or rather as, as you were uh, in, going through school, did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up? Or is this something you figured out as we as you went? Other than knowing that you one day you wanted to have a business of your own in terms of the yeah, industry no, or the type of work? I, I don't think I knew I wanted to get into marketing per se. When I was a kid, I really, uh, I was very much into acting. I was actually a child actor, did commercials and stuff like that. So that's why... I went off and did film school um, and I really thought I would want to do that. And I loved it, but I also loved when I got to university, I loved 
um, I loved, I, I loved sociology. I loved the study of psychology and sociology and I loved business and, and history and that sort of stuff. So I think university kind of opened my eyes to a whole bunch of other things. And I think acting's a great profession, but it's so uh, unstable in many ways, right? So hard work doesn't necessarily always translate into, into work. And I had had the ability to work with my dad a little bit too, and, and helping him with market research. So I think when I got out of school, I really wasn't totally sure what I wanted to do. I actually got a job at uh, CTV, so um, which is a, a television station, which was fantastic in research. And it was there that I really started to get a sense of uh, marketing and business and how that kind of pulled in the creativity and the creation aspect of what I think I love so much about uh, creative arts with the strategy and, and everything else around, you know, how do you take, you know, business theory and, and that sort of stuff and pull it all together and use research. So it was really the coupling of everything that came together. I think when I started working at CTV, I loved it. I was there for five and a half years. I went back to school and did marketing uh, at uh, Ryerson University, or then known as Ryerson University. Um, and it was great. And I haven't looked back ever since. And I didn't know about the child actor piece either. Like now it all makes sense. I, I can I can see it. I can see it, but I didn't know about it. <laughs> so, and any cool projects you can tell us that you did or that you participated in? I, I mean, I always say, uh, you know how you do all those business function things and they you, you go on there like, well, tell us one fun fact about yourself. So when I was maybe grade nine, I got a role in a Canadian movie with Paul Anka and Ryan Reynolds. So it's a oh. very not well-known Canadian film. I actually don't even know if it's on his on his list, but I had a, a bit part in that, so that was fun. And then uh, some a lot of commercials, McDonald's and Noctima and all that sort of stuff. So so it was a, a great, great uh, gig and it, all that money that I made from that helped me go backpacking in Europe after university. So it was great. I'm gonna have to watch some of these clips now, now that I, I know. <laughs> They're buried in the internet somewhere, so. Yeah, but it's it's uh, like I said, that's part of the reason why we do these that you really get to to learn about the uh, everyone participating in the podcast a lot more things that sometimes, uh, although you may have known people for years, it doesn't come out in conversation. Sure, yeah. <laughs> for sure. So you should, you should. <laughs> Uh, other than uh, impressing people with your child acting and uh, adult acting skills, that also explains why you're uh, really good at uh, public speaking events. Uh, the, oh. <laughs> that experience early on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Please. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think my parents always make fun of the fact that I kind of, you know, came out of the womb talking and haven't ever stopped, but. Um, so I, th I think I came by it a little bit naturally. I definitely have worked at it. Again, school, though, when, when we were young, they used to, I think from the time you were in grade two on, we always had to do public speeches and, and that sort of stuff. So I loved doing that. I remember one horrifying experience as a kid where, you know, I left my my um, cue cards at home. And so I got up to, to speak and I was panicked because, you know, I was still at the point where you'd memorize your speech and couldn't remember anything. So from then on, I think that was like grade four, I stopped trying to memorize and just start to understand. And I actually also went through and did second city training just for fun, not for any, you know, idea that I would necessarily become an improv person. But I think 
Second City helps you think on your feet a lot and helps you be prepared on your feet and, and just be a little bit more sort of in the moment and go with the flow. So if things goes wrong. So I think that if I could give any advice to anyone who wants to get out and speak, I know a lot of people do um, other sort of speakers training and stuff like that, but I found that was an exceptional way to kind of learn and keep you agile and aware and in the moment on stage. So, so that I think is a big part of, makes me feel more comfortable, right? I don't get as frazzled up on the stage maybe as, as some. No, and, and it's it's really good skills. In fact, uh, this is the first time I hear of Second City. Now I'm going to have to look it up. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's a, it's a whole, they have a whole sort of series of classes and stuff like that. It's just, I mean, it's a lot of fun too. But uh, yeah, you just work on sort of improving. And, and I talk a lot about it at the office when with my team of, they have this term called yes and. So it's like anytime you're sort of in a scene and you're blocking stuff with somebody, you know, if you're, it's all improv, so you're up on a stage and, you know, so Gary talks to me and says something and kind of changes the course of things. You got to figure out how to adapt to that and sort of take a little bit of what Gary's saying and add that into everything else. So I think that's been a, a key thing also kind of running the business, but that's a definite second city term that they use. I, I really like it. Um, <laughs> now I'm switching gears a little bit. Sure. Um, what do you do in your free time? I know uh, how business, how busy business is, but um, when you get a chance to get that free time between work and the teenage boys, what does that look like? <laughs> For sure, uh, lots of hobbies. Um, I think probably you know one of our our biggest hobbies is my husband and I run a business together, but we also have a lot of sort of similar interests. And one of the things that we love is is board games. So we have a unhealthy number of board games. So during the pandemic, thank goodness our, our kids were at that age where they would still play with us and and do that. But we play a lot of board games to kind of just I you know after work you're kind of stressed or you're you're done, but you kind of want your brain to keep going. So that's a fun thing we love. I read a lot. Um, still love movies, so love watching tons of movies and travel. I, I think, you know, if, if I could spend every dime on travel, that's where I would spend it. So we love to go and explore the world, which I know you do too, because you, you do a whole bunch of big travels every year. Well, and it's, uh, to your point, Morgan, it is, it really does uh, open our eyes and, and I enjoy it yeah. and I try to pack it in with business whenever I can. Uh, yeah. much like how, how you have in many instances. <laughs> yes, I have, yes. Less, less lately, more personal travel, which has been nice, but, but for sure. I know I, I touched on this already with, with your public speaking, but certainly the, I've noticed a lot with the Legal Marketing Association because you were really involved on a lot of panels, even helping put panels together. Um, is that, did that come naturally? Was this the acting skills in this, uh, the second city? Like, how, what would what what would you say was sort of the evolution to to becoming a great public speaker? Ooh, I don't know. I mean, I think business necessity. For in all honesty, I don't know if I I don't think I ever really sought out to be, you know, a, a, a public speaker per se or or a keynote or anything like that. That wasn't it. It was just sort of I knew that you know, when you're running a business, you, you have to get out there and you have to kind of put yourself in uncomfortable situations and you have to be able to get out and network. And, and I love to learn. I'm really curious and I love to constantly read. So I think it was, and I like to share information. So I think that's kind of really honestly, what drew me to public speaking was if I can get up and share and somehow give somebody impart information that they can take away and actually 
put into their day-to-day, then that's time well spent to me. And then hopefully it translates into new business and hopefully it goes that way. And I love, uh, as part of my job, I do a lot of interviewing because um, we do a lot of branding for lawyers and stuff like that. And as part of our process, we would do a lot of one-on-one interviews. So I think the panel too, again, just being curious and I get to moderate, I was putting one together right before uh, we had our conversation. So I'm doing one at the LMA this year and just being curious about, you know, what do other people think and and what can they teach us and, and that sort of stuff. So I, I love that part about public speaking of, of hopefully trying to draw people's ideas out throughout the process. No, and, and it's very important, uh, Morgan. So I really, really appreciate that context. Um, quick question for you. Uh, the, in terms of the, the career journey, what were some of the pivotal points that brought you to, to where you are today? So, um, so the, the out of school, what did that look like? And then uh, how did you end up being going into business with your husband? Sure. Okay. So, um, you know, I guess key career things are, are you know, two, two things happened that made me not continue with my film career of, I, you know, realized that I was going to be working for free for months and months on end was one. And then two, I'd gotten a, a job editing films and it didn't pan out. It was just, it, it fell through the budget cuts and stuff like that. So I ended up looking for places and, and ended up at CTV and I, I loved it. And I had an in cause I had done research and, and stuff like that. And I loved that. Um, but as I got more and more, I really into, into CTV, I want to be a part of the marketing aspect of things so as i mentioned i went back to school and then luckily enough they they hired me and i got to move into the marketing department there and headed up their um sort of their we did a lot of the um marketing of their shows and the sales and that sort of stuff and i loved it it was just sort of a fantastic spot for me and had i not moved out to the west end i probably would have stayed at ctv for many many years it was a great organization um, but I took a branding job over at Torstar in their Hamilton Spectator office. And that forever changed, I think, my my love and direction of where I was going to be. And I, again, went back to Schulich and, and did a branding um, study and really read absolutely everything I could on branding. And, and I've kind of never looked back. So it's been, we're in our 20th year of Cubicle Fugitive. And um, I've been doing branding for probably about 18 years and, and love it. That's been fantastic. Um, I think you asked me about how, how I started working with my husband. So he was the one who actually started the company. We used to be called Onyx console when we first started and he had started it as a, um, website and it firm and he'd worked at law firms many years. So he brought legal and I was always in media and funny enough, when, when I was off on maternity leave with my first baby. Um, my boss had moved over to another place and, and brought me in and, and wanted me to do branding for his new company. And, and I was on mat leave and my husband kept bringing me in. So really it was kind of happenstance that I joined in Cubicle Fugitive. Although I always knew I wanted to start something, it was, it wasn't really sort of a master plan of, oh, let's, you know, set out and create this together. He had already started something and I brought the marketing and he brought the, the web and digital and. We, we haven't looked back since then, so it's been it's been fun. No, it certainly sounds like a lot of fun, but the also the uh, I, I can tell that you've loved the branding and marketing world since since the early mm-hmm. days. So it all it all adds up. Yeah. Uh, 
So I told you I was going to probe you a bit more about this, but yeah. how is it working with your husband? And what advice would you have for people that are considering it? Or uh, would you recommend it? What are tips to, to optimize it? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know if everyone could do I mean, we're really good friends. We started off as friends. And, and so I think that's a key part of it. We have a lot of respect for each other and still do. Um, I think it's really helpful that we each have different disciplines, if that makes sense. Like I... I know marketing and branding and he knows technology and, and computer science and, and digital. And there is a lot of collaboration and overlap for sure in what we do. Um, but we also kind of have our own little aspects of things. I think over the years we've kind of, you know, shared given take of, you know, who, you know, you both can't be leaders at the same time. So who's going to lead on certain things. Um, I say my biggest advice of kind of balancing it out, I mean, we talk shop all the time at home, so it's, I would never give that advice. I don't think you could run a business with your spouse and, and not talk about business, but I think we just don't have the luxury of having petty arguments like other, other people, right? I always say the, you know, my best advice is, you, you know, I, I, I can't argue about the dishes because I got to go sit next to him all day at the office. So it's just, that's, I think the secret of success in many ways is respect for that other person and, and having your own areas that you're that are kind of your domain and don't necessarily waffle in and try and tell them what to do in their areas. And, and yeah, so, I mean, but it's been great. I mean, not that, not to say it's always easy, not to say that, you know, pandemic sharing a literal physical office space too, on top of that, wasn't stressful, but uh, yeah, no, but it's been great. I wouldn't change it for sure. No, it's uh, and great advice. Uh, Morgan, there were some tips built in there that uh, to anyone uh, listening and uh, considering working with their spouse, you can definitely make it work and uh, just yeah. avoid the petty arguments. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's just a good rule for, for marriage though, right? Yeah, don't don't sweat the small stuff and <laughs> you'll be or, or life in general. Or life yeah, in general. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know it's true. It's true. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, it, it can make a huge difference um, when we pick our battles. So yes, the exactly. I, I'm I'm obviously very familiar with Cubicle Fugitive, but not all our um, audience may. So tell us a bit more about Cubicle Fugitive. Um, what made it to what it is today, and sort of over the course of the twenty years, uh, and what everything that it does, in effect. Yeah, sure. Okay, so. We um, we are a full service uh, brand and, and marketing agency, so we specialize in professional services. I'd say really anyone that um, is business to business and selling thought leadership is kind of our core area. Uh, we definitely do a lot of branding. We do a lot of uh, marketing and business development. We design and develop websites, and then really you name it. After that, of helping to to drive business um, for companies. We have grown a lot over the years, so we're in our 20th year this year, which is pretty exciting. Um, and we have just, I think our focus has been to do things a little bit differently than other agencies. So both of us, when we were uh, client side, dealt with other agencies. And so we were kind of tired of being pitched to a lot or having people come and tell us how we should do things from a business standpoint, but not really taking the time to, I think, fully understand and appreciate, you know, our, you know, when I worked at CTV or when I worked at Council Inspector, fully appreciate the business and, you know, that we were a hundred years, 150 year old newspaper and that sort of stuff. So I think we just took a different take when we started our agency of really wanting to hone in and, 
and, you know, like a lawyer would do, do a very deep discovery on our clients and make sure that anything that we were recommending, we felt very passionate about what we were recommending, that it was really going to be um, good for their business. And I, I use this analogy all the time at work too, but I'm thinking of um, Miracle on 34th Street, you know, and he's like, oh, go, go to the other store of like, never recommend anything, you know, and I'd rather turn away business than tell them to do something that I don't think is going to be strategic. So I think that's been a large part of, of our success is, is how much we care about our clients, how much we really want to understand our clients and how much we really want to be a long-term partner of them. So not trying to, you know, not favor the quick buck or the quick win over, over anything else. But I think that's been sort of our big strategy. And then it's really making sure as we grow that we honor that and we train people in that same sort of way. So they all have that same consistent, they understand who we are and, and what makes us special and deliver on that. I think that's been a, a challenge over the years is trying to, to get everyone to buy into that vision that we have, right? No, it's and that's a challenge for for many organizations. I'm sure, right? The sharing the vision, especially with the founders, and carrying that through as the organization grows. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you found that too, as as your as a business owner yourself, right? Finding the right people, keeping the right people, and making sure that they understand your your vision for what you wanted to create is is key. Now, Morgan, I know that uh, the, there's the days where it's long days and, and uh, lots to do. No, and, never, yeah. Uh, but there's also the exciting moments. Um, mm. Could you tell us about a really cool branding exercise or a really cool strategy you implemented uh, without necessarily naming the client, uh, but it's like the uh, where you were like, the, the, the end result you were so amazed with. It's like, oh, I know it took a lot of work, but look at... Uh, look at what came about from it. Yeah. You know what? I have a bunch. Um, I think when a, a recent one, we worked with a bigger firm and I think over the years, you know, we, we started off working with smaller firms and a lot of times we'd work one-on-one -on -one with the lawyers at the firm, which is fantastic, but very much too, they will often sort of, you know, hand off some of the exercise too. They'll be engaged for sure, but you guys are the experts, that sort of thing. Um, as we've grown and grown with bigger firms, uh, working hand in hand with really talented marketers has been fantastic. Worked with, uh, I, I won't name names, but worked with a firm across Canada and got to work hand in hand with one of their marketers. And she was fantastic and, and challenged me in many different ways in all the best ways. Um, but we really got to understand their business and, and walk through, you know, all their many offices and meet the people. And one of the big campaign ideas really came from you know, walking around and, and interacting with some of the lawyers and seeing, you know, what they did for their clients and how they were literally pulling apart things and how they were really, you know, coming down to their own discovery of like, how do they make something, um, uh, I'm trying to think how I don't give it away who it is, um, but how, how, how do they safeguard things and, and do that? And so really, you know, taking on all of our knowledge of, of the client and really working hand in hand with their marketing team, who's super strategic and really wanted to get it right too, which was fantastic. And then working with my creative director and, and my husband to come up with that big idea. And we did have to sell them on it because they have a great, fantastic name, but they didn't necessarily want to use in the advertising, but that was sort of part of it because they were changing their names. So really sort of trying to pull that out in a campaign and, and then, you know, it ended up winning some awards, which was really fantastic. But I knew I think what was the sweetest success was how proud I think that marketing team was and how it kind of bolstered across Canada in the offices, kind of a little resurgence of, of their excitement about 
the firm and the client and what they were doing and how what they were doing was really important to um, their specific area of law in Canada. So it was pretty cool. Well, and it's uh, the client, we learn a lot from client stories. And to your point, when you match good talent on your end with uh, some, some uh, a client that is demanding in, in the best ways, where they challenge you, like you said, in, in the right ways, can really bring about results that uh, even you couldn't imagine. So that's, that's always uh, fascinating. It's true. It's true. And I found that over the years, too, of like just more and more working with really other strategic marketers. And they sometimes kind of, it just as you say, push you a little bit harder and it's not in a bad way, but if you, if you can really sort of nudge each other to, to greatness, then you, you could just get such a better result and you see how engaged they are and how passionate they are, about what they're trying to do, because really we come in as an outside, you know, branding company and marketing company, and they're the ones who have to live that brand. Right. So we have, it's absolutely critical that they fall in love with it as much as we do. And they are able to honor that and see how they're able to grow it from there. Now, uh, Morgan, I know there's uh, the digital world has evolved a fair bit, uh, and, and as a result, the branding and marketing world. Um, and when I think over the twenty year, over the course of the twenty years, um, the uh, the digital world specifically is is night and day what it used to be like, and since the inception. So, how did you adapt to the changes, and and uh, how did your team and and sort of the organizational structure adapt to? To the ever-evolving world yeah that's a great question um i think part of it is we came in at an interesting time in all honesty um we coming in you know websites especially in the legal space were pretty new at that standpoint people had you know they had them but they were very much brochureware at best um and it's just we came into an area that was always changing in many aspects but a lot of the fundamentals haven't changed of you know business strategy and brand strategy and i think a lot of the tools have changed along the way and and the mediums that you do it in or where you're doing it might change but some of the fundamentals haven't um i think you were asking how we you know have adapted our teams have definitely changed and, and we've grown right so right now i think a hot thing for law firms is they're all really engaged in, you know, social media and content and, you know, personal brand building and employer brand building and all that sort of stuff. So social media has been very hot. Um, so just making sure they're using it strategically and understanding all those things, you know, digital marketing we've been doing since the beginning. So, I mean, I remember running pay-per-click ads, you know, 15 years ago myself and doing all that. So a lot of that is still around. I think it's just gotten more competitive and, we've all had to become more strategic, which is great. And I think uh, a lot of firms have, have become more sophisticated in their understanding of what we do and how important marketing is or branding is or digital communications are in driving real leads for their firms. So it's exciting to see that. Um, I'm excited to see how firms become a little bit more sophisticated in using data to make decisions, right? Of understanding the connections. There's a lot more tools now of how that's all, you know, how they can mine that information and then really sort of build out communications and, and build out plans that are more effective for their clients, which is great. I'll be interested to see how AI changes everything for all of us. That's, that's a hot topic right now. So I think just being curious about all those things is, is absolutely critical, right? I mean, all of us, you can't afford to be stagnant. So you have to be constantly 
trying to learn and, and educate yourself on and everything new and then being no one to kind of slough away some of the some of the you know it's not really changed this is just noise and excitement around something too yeah well, you find that in your uh, area also <laughs> well absolutely and and i think you 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 identified it correctly like being curious consistently learning uh, because then you know you learning and understanding the various aspects well enables you to to uh, educate your clients effectively because that's yeah ultimately they're looking to you as the subject area specialist and uh, the, the more, and as this area has evolved, the more you are informed around it, the easier it is becomes mm-hmm. in this conversation. Uh, yeah. So I, as you can imagine, I hear a lot about the evolution of AI and then questions around like, yeah. how do you stay on top of it, right? So it's, yeah. uh, and uh, the, and that's why the, the lifelong learning is so important. It's probably more important than it's ever been because the pace at which technology is evolving these days. I agree. Right. And, and finding, I think that's the key thing that we're always trying to hire for. And it's hard to hire for it, but of trying to look for people that are innately curious. Right. And because that's the only way that I think businesses can stay competitive these days is you have to be constantly, I think, trying to make sense of change and make sense of new technology and new data, but then also, yeah, really just kind of filter out the noise too. Right. There's lots of stuff you could run off on tangents all the time, but, but, not everything is worth running off <laughs> to, to chase too. Um, I'm switching gears a little bit, Morgan. Um, he, he, being a, a business owner as well as uh, managing a team, working with clients, there's always a lot of things to juggle. What are some productivity tips that you have that work well that you could share with the audience? Um, sure. That you've figured out over the years and that uh, somebody could take away from from your wisdom <laughs> well so i think uh one of the things when i was at torstar we actually got to um sit in it's a program called getting things done uh and that is i forgive me i forget the the gentleman who created it um but he actually came in and spoke to the to the whole company and it's been instrumental for me honestly of it's super simple it's super pragmatic but i think you know any business owner or all of us really we have so many different things coming at us. So a big part of it is really just doing every week a big brain dump and organizing everything of, you know, what needs to get done and then really organizing it based on, you know, where are you at? Like, of you know, stuff that can get done when I'm at the phone, everything that needs to get done. It's, you know, I think it's like one, you know, two minute tasks versus like big projects. And then just kind of taking a, taking a couple hours to kind of each week, break down your big projects and then moving it into manageable tasks throughout the week has been instrumental because that way you're kind of taking some of the thinking out of it. You're doing a really big thinking time there, but you're not overwhelmed with all of your to-do list. All of us have way too many things going on right now. And you usually have probably overcommitted on 10 different things of, you know, you've got speaking engagements and meetings and projects and, and then, you know, just trying to deal with the general running of the business. So I think that's been absolutely critical of kind of keeping a very good system in place for me and just doing that big brain dump and organizing that brain dump every week keeps me keeps me honest and keeps me honest about how much i can really achieve for one um because you know you you look at your schedule pretty quick and go okay well i'm not going to work you know 14 hours every day so let's let's figure this out what what can we actually do and how do we parcel it out and then i think having hiring great team i can't stress that enough of as you grow you can't you quickly learn you can't do it all yourself so hiring really fantastic people that 
you know, will deliver that are smart and capable and critical thinkers and that they'll be able to deliver on, on those things has been has been instrumental to our growth and our ability to grow and need us to accomplish more. So just we have a fantastic team. So I think that's that's the saving grace of it all. No, and uh, having met some of your team, uh, I, I know you, you have an excellent team. They're good. Um, they're, they're a lot of fun too. So that's always nice. They make work enjoyable, well, which is it, it comes with the territory. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you you need some fun people in marketing and branding, right? Like there needs to be a fun edge to everything you do. Well, I think even just in, in working in legal, you know, I mean, I think anyone who works in this space, it can be stressful, right? Sometimes, you know, it's it, it can be a stressful environment, and there's tight deadlines, and and it's important decisions. So I think we try and have a lot of fun at the office and and there needs to be that sort of you know joking around and banter between colleagues and and i think if you like your colleagues you're much more willing to kind of put yourself out there and, and stretch yourself and help you know raise your hand when you're also busy to help someone out because you care about them and and that sort of thing so i think their culture is super important to an organization and and just having people that you respect and like and work with are is 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 you know super is critical to the business. Uh, Morgan, uh, around, again, uh, around yeah. advice, uh, I had, uh, I wanted to ask you something because a lot of our audience will be marketing uh, leaders within law firms, within professional services. What advice would you have for them? Um, whether it is, how do I take the next step in my brand or how do I make sure my brand and, and the, my marketing initiatives are, are uh, sort of always fresh and, and staying up to speed with mm -hmm. the trends. What what uh, takeaways could you leave them with to say, here's uh, a lens to think through your various initiatives you may be working on? Yeah, sure. So I think I think it's really critical for intern every marketer, but internal marketers, when you're thinking about branding, that I think, A, you have to have a, a really good understanding of what your overall business strategy is. I think you need to fully understand what you're trying to achieve as an organization. And I think brand should flow out through there. And I think thinking about your firm's brand, the importance of internal and external. So, you know, most of our clients are in the service-based industry. So a lot of times we're talking about, you know, employer branding and client branding, and there needs to be a thread that binds the two together because, you know, essentially when you think of professional service firms, somebody, you know, their client is, is in the factory watching things happen all along the way, right? So somebody internally has to understand, everybody internally has to understand what the firm's brand is and what, you know, where you're positioned and, and what that means and then how to essentially live that brand. So I think getting really strategic and helping internally connect those dots for their leaders who may not fully have a real understanding, right? As a, this misnomer that branding is really all about, you know, logos and colors and, you know, headlines and all that sort of stuff. And that's a nice byproduct of branding. And that's, you know, the, the fourth P in our, you know, product place price and promotion sort of thing, but it's certainly not the most important part of it. It really is about getting a very sound strategy of, you know, what are we trying to achieve as a firm? How, do we need to position ourselves in the market in order to achieve that? And then our marketing plan of, you know, how are we going to communicate that both internally and externally so that the very consistent and authentic voice. So I would just encourage marketers to really help connect the dots 
for their leaders internally, help them understand kind of where it sits and then help translate that of, you know, here's kind of where it flows and here's the value and what we're driving back to the organization, right? Nothing speaks louder than finances. I think a lot of time too, but a strong brand will definitely impact the finances of a firm, right? It, it allows you to withstand, you know, market fluctuations and, you know, recessions and hire the best talent. There's a whole host of reasons why firms should do it, but I think helping them connect those dots of, of why that's such an important strategic exercise is critical. And, and you're right, Morgan, uh, often uh, professionals uh, don't fully comprehend the, the purpose of the marketing departments and uh, mm -hmm. uh, the, the nice collateral is, is fine, but without a strategy behind it, it's, uh, it, it's only really superficial and it's, it's not yeah. pushing to that uh, vision of the organization. Yeah. And I think, I think getting people marketers to kind of help reposition, you know, they're not a cost center of an organization. They shouldn't be a cost center of an organization. They should really be a strategic park partner. That's I think helping to build the business of the firm and be an instrumental, you know, player at the table to sort of help decide where the best places are to go or co create those, you know, and, and make things happen. So for sure. Well, and uh, often what we hear from marketers, uh, Morgan, in, in many of the events that you and I would have mm -hmm. been to is, well, we get it, but how do we get our professionals to listen to us? Any advice you'd have for the for the in, internal teams on how to get that buy-in internally? Because they are right. Often they get it. It's sometimes it's just yeah. hard to get the buy-in. I think it comes down to, I think you got to understand what the motivators are of your leadership. What are they trying to drive? What are the things strategically as an organization, you know, do they even have a strategic plan? Are they, what are the firm's overall goals? And really showing, I think that you are, a, and I, I know I keep using the word strategic, but a strategic partner. So somebody who fully understands the financial aspects, who fully understands the uh, business aspects of, you know, as this firm, we are trying to achieve X, Y, and Z, or we need to grow in these markets, or we need to do these things. I think if they can translate it as much to business as opposed to marketing and promotions, which is all great, but really translate it to the business, I think that changes everything. It starts changing the conversation slowly by slowly, the more you can either bring it back to, you know, sound research and data or, you know, a, a core position of really understanding. And definitely, I think it's an obvious though, take the time to really fully understand your firm, the people in it, the nuances of the people, what are their motivators? What are they trying to drive and really try and, you know, pull it all together too. But I think you just earn a lot more respect by pulling all that together and really sort of pulling on what's important to them and then kind of weaving in the other stuff together and, and making a cohesive story for them. So a lot of preparation to get that buy-in, a lot of the data points by understanding yeah, the professionals. 100%. Like you should never go into any meeting and not know everything in and out. If you have the, uh, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to negotiate with a lawyer, you have to be prepared to be cross-examined. It's absolutely critical that you know your stuff, you are listening and hearing and can pivot your arguments, but it's absolutely critical that you know your stuff. I, I wouldn't dream of ever going in unprepared. That would be crazy. So. Well, and, and uh, preparing in a way that resonates with that audience, because yeah. uh, to your point, these professionals, uh, many of them for a living poke holes at, <laughs> at things. For sure. and, uh, you really need to present it to, to them in a way that they're like, okay, despite me yeah. poking holes, uh, this actually makes sense.
Yeah. And I think sometimes saying no is an important tool in our tool belt as marketers of, you know, sometimes when you're dealing with charismatic individuals who are just, you know, here's, yes, we can do that, but here's why I wouldn't. Or sometimes that's a really critical thing to get respect and get buy-in, but also help everybody stay focused and, and get results. Cause sometimes there's really new shiny things that we want to get distracted with. And, and I help, think helping your leaders stay focused is also very important too. Um, we're going to get a bit futuristic now, Morgan. Um, the, uh, we talked a bit about uh, how to get buy-in. And uh, I even heard a, a leader say last week that, you know, we, in leadership roles, we spend we have to spend a lot of time in, in sort of two buckets. Mm-hmm. One is uh, planning and then strategy. And it's like, generally, we do a good job at this planning piece, but the strategy piece we often neglect. So uh, if there's one takeaway from, from uh, one of the things that, uh, from what you mentioned today is to really make sure there's time around that strategy with a lot of planning. Around. Yeah. But on that note, um, what does the future look like? And this is where I said we'll get a bit futuristic. What are some of the trends appearing that marketers should be aware of or that you're seeing play out? How do, how can they best prepare for this coming future? Um, a lot of the trends, I think I mentioned too, so we're, we're getting, we're talking about and getting asked to speak about, there's more engagement from HR and marketing. Mm-hmm. So as a combined of really understanding uh, and how important differentiating your firm is for an effective talent strategy. So that's critical. That's coming about. And I think having your marketing and your HR teams really align early on and get clear on, you know, how do we attract the right talent that's going to deliver on our client brand and how do we train for that? How do we educate? So that's a big, that's probably one of the bigger trends in branding that I notice. I mean, other things like purpose branding and, and, you know, all that sort of stuff, a little bit of micro branding of how do we take, our brand and how do we personalize it for, for different audiences and really, you know, let them kind of uh, personalize that to them. That's uh, keeping in branding. Digital is always changing. So I'm noticing that there's, I mean, there's lots of technology changes of, you know, GA4 coming in this year. And so, you know, analytics and all that's going to change too, of what can we learn? How can we tie in, you know, all of our tools together and how do we make sense of the data? I think the problem isn't, anymore that we don't have data. It's how do we make sense of the overwhelming amounts of data that we can garner on stuff and how do we get people in there that can not only sort of understand that information, but translate it into um, tool, translate it into something that we can use as a firm for business development efforts and, and generating smarter content, better content, engaging our clients. What does that look like? So that's a trend that we see uh, coming in. It's really data mining and that sort of stuff. AI. Uh, who knows where that's going to go from, you know, many different aspects, how it'll impact design and, and content and where does it sit and where do the ethics lie and, and what's, what's, you know, unique and not, it'll be interesting to see where that all comes in. Um, and then I think social, social platforms is, you know, lawyers are a little late to the market on it, but you know, they're all, everyone's really excited about social media right now. And what do they do? So, you know, what, what happens to Twitter for lawyers, which they once love and how does that, you know, how, how do, you know, is that still a place of, of choice for them or LinkedIn and how do they do smarter and how do they get a little bit more, I think, strategic on their social media efforts, whether it's, you know, earned or, or paid or, or whatever. So those are some of the things that are coming down. There's a, there's a million. It's just keeping up with them. SEO is critical to law firms. I see that a lot now. 
in bigger firms. Bigger firms at one point weren't necessarily interested in things like um, paid digital advertising and SEO, but they're becoming way more conscious of the fact that they can't lose on that side of things. So again, not, not anything new, just, you know, firms are at different places. So it's interesting to see how, how that's all changing. Uh, no, I appreciate that, uh, Morgan. There's a lot of insights there to, to dissect for the audience, but it's, it's a few areas that you're right. They're evolving quickly and, uh, mm-hmm. for firms to be mindful of and, uh, interesting learning for me uh, big firms being interested in seo because uh, you're right the traditionally wasn't the case and it's interesting to see that play out yeah well i think you can't afford to not be where people are looking for you right i, I and it so much is, is relationship based and, and stuff and and uh reputation but i think you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not making sure that you're you know you have to be found uh, for the things that you want to be found for, right? If you want to be a thought leader in uh, patents, or if you want to be a thought leader in, you know, uh, insolvency or corporate restructuring or you know any area, you want to, you you should be found there, or else you look like a laggard, which you know is never a place you want to be. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Morgan, we're going to switch gears and go to a, a really fun uh, aspect of the podcast and, and the, our last piece, and it's called the rapid fire question. Uh-oh. Okay. So, so what I'm looking for here is I'll ask a question and then just a short answer, whatever comes to mind. There's no right answer, wrong answer. It's really just whatever comes to mind first. What is your favorite word? Oh, uh, probably right now it's nuanced. <laughs> Nuanced. I really like that. Um, what word do you hate? Uh, unpack. I, I think that's one of my least favorite of let's unpack this in a marketing standpoint. Oh, the, the, the lovely business <laughs> jargon that we hear too much <laughs> of. <laughs> yeah. um, what word do you have a hard time pronouncing, if any? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I can't think of that one. I pass on that. I'm not sure. No, no. It's uh, that's that's why I said if any, because uh, yeah. <laughs> often there are there are people that don't. Um, yeah. What is your what is your favorite word in another language, if any? Oh. Um. What is it? Uh, I don't know if I have one. What is it in in Costa Rica? They say was it pura vida? Is that right or pura vida? Yeah, the pure life. Is yeah. That, yes. <laughs> yes. That one, that yeah. one stands out. I, I, I love it. <laughs> and one word to describe yourself by, and I know this is a hard one to to pick one word, but what would it be? So this one I actually know because I said I was going to tattoo it on my my arm one day as unstoppable. So a little bit of, I love it. I, I got a I lot of determination. It. So, <laughs> and I must attest to it, Morgan. You are unstoppable, and of oh, course, it makes... <laughs> whether the the tattoo is physical or not, you you embody it. So that's oh. uh, that's real. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Morgan, I really appreciate you joining me for the session today um, and uh, being mindful of your time. We wanted to keep it at a time that is uh, that is also 
reasonable for you, but the, a lot of uh, little components for our audience to, to dissect and learn from. And uh, as always, I'd like to encourage uh, all, our, uh, all our audience uh, to follow and, and uh, really subscribe to the channel, just because there's so much uh, coming up on Firing on All Syllables. And uh, that they can find us on all the major podcast platforms, Google, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc. So thank you again, Morgan, for your time today. Thank you, Gary. This has been wonderful. Always great to see you. And hopefully I'll, I'll see you next week. <laughs>